If you're an Android user looking for your muse for podcasts, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of good reviews telling you how great it is, so I won't go on for long here. But just know that if you're looking for something great, a new way to listen to your podcasts, you should check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who's been with me on this journey for now six seasons. That's crazy. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And that is, it's always, I like said that to someone the other day because I was talking about my podcast. And in this age of like everyone and their, and their, you know, grandma has a podcast together. I was right. like, oh, no, it's like our sixth or seventh year. Because someone was like, oh, what kind of movies? And I was like, oh, it's been a long time. It's been like six years, so I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, someone asked me that recently, and they were, they were asking me for a recommendation. I was like, it's like honestly, there's, a hundred and <laughs> there's 140 episodes almost. So, uh, well, more than yeah. that, wouldn't it? No, no, you're right. It's 25 well, a year. 20, 20, yeah, 25 a year. Uh, so right around that but i was just like actually wait are we on once i don't know because the 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 patreon has added and and whatnot so we're over 150 i forgot about probably around one yeah because we made a big we made a big deal about 150 it's really good that neither of us knows this offhand we are uh alligator this is episode 164 of the numbered episodes which includes some that are on patreon these days uh but yes uh we have we have been doing this for quite some time um, thanks to all of you for listening to it. We'll do some some wrap-up stuff uh, on a later episode, probably. But today we're here to talk about a movie that I was kind of dreading, uh, and turns out I have a little bit of a soft spot for Xanadu. I, I, I had never actually seen it the whole way through. I'd only, like, know tale, heard tale of Xanadu, and also as, like, a stage show. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll finally get to check it out. And boy, did it, uh, did it deliver. Well, we watched Xanadu, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your mountains of cocaine and roller skates. Something's gotta be about your mountains of cocaine and roller skates. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So I have some some beefs that I want to get off my chest to stop this. Okay, that's early for you. Yeah. So, all right. You've made this joke on the podcast before, and uh, I frankly kind of like it. So it's fine, even though it's at my expense. But, you know, I often say that I'm not a huge fan of musicals. Mm -hmm. And you always retort that, like, yeah, except that you love friggin' Singing in the Rain, which is all. Yeah, you're like, like, I don't like musicals. But I do love the musical about the invention of movie musicals that is a golden age spectacle. Yes. So I do genuinely like that movie, although I have only seen it one time and it was in a film class in college. Are you kidding but, me? I uh, In my brain, you've watched it a cut like five, five, six times. No, no, no. I, no. I mean, I've probably maybe I've seen it two times, but it's not like a movie I've seen a bunch. Uh, I just remember it very fondly. It was like, Oh, maybe I do like this. A lot I, of the jokes it was the movie that, that the, the, the physical comedy in make them laugh where Donald O'Connor goes through a wall doing wall flips. Every time I laugh. 
Yeah, I, I, the physical comedy is excellent. I mean, you got Gene Kelly in there, who's just phenomenal, who's also in this movie, which is why I bring this up. But the thing about Singing in the Rain, which this movie is very much of that era, and I heard someone use a word to describe that era of musicals, and I probably forgot it, but you probably know. is it, No, there's a... It's not important, but there's a like we're, we're hearkening back in Xanadu to the musicals of the 50s. This is like a big production type number. Lots of people dancing, very similar to those early very musicals. Busby the music Berkeley, is updated. That gold. Yeah, age. that's what I wanted. Yes, Busby Berkeley is what I wanted. Uh, but here is the problem. In Singing in the Rain, you got Gene Kelly, you got Debbie Reynolds, you got Donald O'Connor, right? Three heavy hitters. Maybe not the best. Maybe not the best actors in the world, but oodles of charm. Oodles and oodles and oodles of charm. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we're doing the updated version of that. Well, hey, Gene Kelly's still around. Let's see if we can get him. Boom, you got Gene Kelly. Great. Perfect. Wonderful. Now we got who we gotta fill the lady spot. Okay. Olivia Newton John. Doesn't really act well, but can sing okay and is I think she's a very talented singer. How dare you? I, I she doesn't make music that I like, but I'm not saying she's bad. I just she's she's fine. She's she's totally fine and very charming. Not not a good actor, but extremely charming. And then who goes in the third spot? A this wet cutout. ham sandwich. He's a wet ham sandwich. He is the sandwich that you get on like a tour boxed lunch where like they the condiments come in a little packet and you open it and you're like, why is the bread soggy? Oh, because the ham was wet for some reason. So now I have a wet ham sandwich. Cool. I guess this counts as food. Yeah, he's he is a cardboard cutout and it's just... He's got great hair, and he, he's handsome, but I don't understand why... He he broke out... The actor's name is Michael Beck. He broke out in The Warriors, which is a movie I, I do like, although, again, I like seeing it in the rain. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I do remember liking it. But in that movie, he plays, like, a tough guy. He's a, he's a little bit frightening. He's got an edge to him. This dude is supposed to be a charming everyman. And I have two words for you Steve that I think... Absolutely, well, uh, Steve. Gutenberg. Do you know why he couldn't do this? Be- yes, because he was in that other dumb movie we did. He was in "You Can't Stop the Music," which Olivia Newton-John yes! turned down to do this. Such a night! Like this movie is so much better with the Goots. It's not even a question. But also, so here's the thing: this movie was supposed to be Olivia Newton-John's star vehicle. Like it was saying, "Hi, I'm Olivia Newton-John. This is my movie and only my movie." Which is why I think they didn't try hard to get someone better in the male lead. If that's true, why is she only in it for like twenty five minutes? No, no, I, I like truthfully, that is the it was her only top like solo billing for a movie, and it tanked so hard it never happened again. But she's barely in it. I don't. I, I'm not saying as a the, it was executed well. I'm but just, you agree, right? Like she is barely in this movie. I think she's in it a lot. I just don't think she's given a lot to do, which is the issue. Yeah. So here's my other thing now, and so the Gutenberg thing is like just better casting already. This movie goes up two grades, and and like the fact that he was in another movie musical shooting disco, at the same time, another disco roller right. disco movie musical. <laughs> right. Right. That they were both happening simultaneously, and they like. We have, instead of one good movie, two bad ones because the casting couldn't get lined up right. I don't know. The problem is, with that theory, that that implies that one movie has to go away 
and become the be- and the other one has to become the better one and I don't know which one I would rather that be. Well, I'm saying the other movie I don't think is salvageable. I think this is really entertaining, except for the fact that there's a wet ham sandwich in the male lead. And if you just swapped in a better actor that like the other there, I do have another fix for this movie that I'll get to perhaps later. Uh, but the 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 easiest fix in the world is like just swap out Michael Beck for somebody who has any charisma for in this. Like he needs to be a charming boy next door, handsome man. John Travolta like, was was tapped for it but he was doing urban cowboy travolta would have been great too i think part of that also is them probably being like hey we don't want to just be like doing the grease people in a new musical that yeah. probably also was a factor mm-hmm. but yeah, i i agree that he is frankly they could have swapped him with the other male painter guy who seems to be more charismatic or and i know you're gonna you're gonna blow your top here but if you say bobcat goldthwaite yes. i'm gonna punch you in the throat <laughs> No, you swap him with Gene Kelly and you make the movie about Gene Kelly and the muse had a relationship when he was a young man. He's always had this one other idea. She's like been a muse for such a long time that she's like, you know what? I actually liked that guy. I want to be him. I want him to be the only person who's ever gotten two cracks at the muse apple. And I want to go help him. And it's not a sexual relationship, but it's like, uh, like, cause it clearly is was. Yeah. It's not that at all. It's just like, she comes back to help him. He gets to, you know, put on the tap shoes one last time and gets like his one final cowboy type run and does like everything else in the movie stays the same. He makes a club, he does that stuff, but you make it so that, he's getting reinvigorated by the reappearance of this woman in his life when he needed it. This muse, not woman. I think that movie is way more interesting than this one. Who's she going to want to fuck? She got to fuck somebody in this movie. Who's it going to (laughs) be? Chop, chop, chop on the cigar. I mean, I don't know. Like anyone could be there. It could be that like just any person or, you know, for once we just don't have a romance at the center. Yeah. No, I'm always down for that. However, 1980 was not down for that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into more of this as we go along, but I just cannot like Michael Beck is inexplicable casting in this movie and he's why this movie sucks. Yeah. He, I'm sorry. Is, Cause the soundtrack slaps harder than Joan Collins. Yeah, this uh, I have a lot of notes about that. So let's just start this. We opening credits. We got Gene Kelly playing the uh, clarinet. Kenny Ortega. Choreo by that's right. Choreo by Kenny Ortega, who would later become the man behind High School Musical. And um, basically any major musical moment in pop culture film is because of Kenny Ortega. So he did the big scene in Ferris Bueller was him. He did That's right. 16 Candles, Hocus Pocus, was directed by him. Two two out of those three are definite future episodes, just haven't gotten there yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did Newsies, which a lot of people love. I've never actually seen the movie. I was cast in the musical. You've, you've seen the movie. I watched it with you. You were very young. Then I don't remember it. And the High School Musical, I think at least, I want to say he directed two of them, but maybe more. I'm not sure. Um, he's a, he's very much a choreographer first, and you can tell that in the movies that he makes because there is a, there is a lyricism and a musicality to the way the performers move. And most of the choreo in this movie, I think is excellent Yes, from what you can see, but I think it is shot so aggressively poorly that it is infuriating. And again, like I'm not a person who 
really cares about this stuff. This is not the type of movie that I would normally be interested in, but I was in on this movie. I was like, this is very similar to singing in the rain. And like, it's, it's stylistically very similar to that, which is very charm. It's like all charm based. And then there's all these amazing looking dance numbers that we're shooting from a low angle and far away. And I'm like, put the camera on a goddamn crane and shoot up. It's what like, are we doing here? Like Mamma Mia. It's so bad. I'm like, I want to watch this dance. And you're just like constantly cut, 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 close up, feet, close up, face. I'm like, no, let me right. pull back. Let me watch. But even in the times in this movie, when they do pull back to let you watch, there were like the cameras too low and there's like layered things happening that I'm like, a lot of work and effort went into make this look cool. And you have made no attempt to show it to me. None. Exactly. I, I This movie like made me mad for what it should have been more than almost any of the famous box office bombs that I've watched. Because this movie is like four degrees away from being excellent. It, it truly is. It's very close. It's And it's like everybody shits on it and whatever. And I really think that a lot of that was people being mean to Olivia Newton-John because it, it was fun. And everyone was embarrassed that they like Grease, which is like, it was like the yeah. backlash turn of like, you know, the Hootie and the Blowfish. Everyone's like, this song's great. This song's great. This song's great. Okay, that's too many great songs. Fuck you forever. Yeah. Like, that's very much what we do as a culture so i really think a lot of that comes from people loved greece so hard they were like oh i'm embarrassed that we liked this stupid thing so much get it out of here throw her in the trash yeah it's so bizarre um because it, it it's close it's so close it just needs a little more fine-tuning and it could have been pretty good it needs it needs and i want you to imagine this as the sound of like a foghorn but Goot. Like that's what someone needed to play the goot signal and get his ass in there. We needed that curly mop top and that big smile and him just being all shucks in his way through this thing. Do you think this could have worked with a John Cusack? I think it's probably better. I don't like the it's thing not the about goots, Cusack. But it's better than him. Right. And, and, and I like... I think John Cusack's ceiling is much, much higher than Steve Gutenberg's. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, as actors. Although, I would say Steve Gutenberg's basement is higher in the building than <laughs> Cusack's is. Because Cusack's basement is very deep. You know, the, the Goot has, like, a, maybe a five-floor five range on this hypothetical elevator. And, and the Cusack one is, like, 22. Where it's like, whoa, we can get some wild swings here. Yeah. It's like the Tower of Terror. Starring Cusack Steve Gutenberg? Cusack is not... Yes, exactly. That's why I was for you and you only that that one little reference. Cusack is not the right type of charming for this movie, in my personal opinion, but it would be better. Absolutely. It's an improvement. Mm. I think that's most of this movie is just like, we could have gotten someone better. Like almost anyone would be better than Michael Beck is. In this I agree. Movie. He and and. And I think that's not necessarily like a shot at Michael Beck. I think a lot of it is he probably isn't getting great direction on what he should be doing. He's not done this type of movie before. And so he doesn't quite know what to do and he needs some assistance. And he's acting and with then, uh, against Olivia Newton-John, who was in the movie musical of the la of like right. the century, basically. Well, yeah. And the other and Gene Kelly, who was in Gene the other Kelly. one. <laughs> right. It's like a really difficult job this guy get asked got asked to do and he didn't do he did, it was out of his element which happens like i'm not saying michael beck deserves to be put in the stockade i just think he was a poor choice for this movie yeah they really needed someone someone used to this caliber or, or just someone who is 
oodles of charm. Like you need a you need charm by the bucket full when you're gonna compete with these. You two know people. who could have been fun? Baby, baby, unibrow, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell would be better in this movie than 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 Michael Beck is. Absolutely. Again, a weird choice. But like, but I'm trying. I'm like, what better. weird? Because this movie is weird. Like, I feel like you have to go a little weird for it. Like, John Travolta is, is not the right. Steve Gutenberg, like, he's kind of weird. Like, I get it. Like, I want someone weird in this movie to bring weird, but better. Like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> yes, that's it. Right there. A young Steve Buscemi. When he Did only he had a bag under his eyes instead of 22. Um, he has always been ugly hot, which is a, the, the term that uh, I think Pete, I heard Pete Davidson use in a movie. He, he, he was like, I'm ugly hot, like neck like, down. Great. Uh, Steve Buscemi. No, it's like he's like Steve Buscemi's face is not classically attractive by any stretch of the imagination but there's something about him that is a compelling it's a compelling face to look at like i yeah i could see someone wanting to look at his face so that's all i meant anyway uh you talked about the music i'll just get some of this out of the way here and then we'll start talking about the plot of this although i think this is not tangential in the way that we usually are we're talking about like i wish this movie was better and here's how it could have been yes um so the most of the music in the movie is by Jeff Lynn, who was the, I believe the front man, but one of the main players in Electric Light Orchestra, which is electronic-y rock band from that era who, while hugely influential, influential basically no one will admit to having listened to. It's yes. like one of those weird things where you hear their music and echoes of their music all over the pop landscape right now. And for the last 10, 15 years, for sure. But when you ask people who their influences are, they just never make the list. No one ever says Jeff Lynn or ELO, but he absolutely like made this, this type of music is all over the soundtrack to like guardians of the galaxy. That's sort of oh like, my God, it's yeah. not quite it's not quite in the AM gold yacht rock genre, which is having a bit of a moment now. It's more it's more electronic than that, but it's in that sort of world. Mr. Blue Sky was a, the huge yellow yes. song that you've definitely heard before. Uh, but he was also a member of the Traveling Wilburys, which is a cool super group with uh, George Harrison, Roy Orbison, uh, Tom Petty, and Bob Dylan. Mm. And so he is kind of like the odd duck of those five names, but it was everyone who was in the band talks about how important he was to this sort of group. So I think... Jeff Lynn is a huge reason why this movie is fun to watch because the music is awesome. It's, it's so very good. good. It's extremely good. Like all of it is good and exciting. The and the only thing I don't like is like the when I don't like the song. It's not that I don't like the song itself. It's that I don't need it in the movie. It's or that it's shot in a boring sure. way. Yeah, I it's shot in a boring way is the absolute. Should be the the uh, the tagline on the poster for this movie. Xanadu shot in the most boring. It wasn't way. always though. Only I only thought a couple songs were like boring as hell. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So we start with um, the aforementioned ham sandwich, cardboard cutout, Michael Beck. Uh, he's throwing out some sketches some out the window. Some poor PA had to make those sketches. Oh, for sure. Like a lot of them. Yeah, that like he's because he's ripping up a lot of art, and I was like. I feel so mm -hmm. bad that some PA had to, like, paint that. Yes. Uh, and he throws them out the window, and they get picked up by the breeze, and they hit this mural, and the mural springs to life. Now, did you read the thing yes. about this? Because That he okay. allegedly so, painted the mural? Yes, which makes the whole movie better. And that I don't know why, scene, you why they cut, like, I, the, the stage musical apparently makes that explicit. But what this movie should have been was, he's finishing painting the mural... And then 
he gets paid for it and he's like, oh, God, art for money. And like, I, yeah. and like, you know, it's something that like connects the art for money theme instead of this. Cause like, there's one line in the, sh- in the movie that says I painted a mural and you're supposed to infer that that was this mural. Right. Yeah. He, he tosses that out as he's like bitching about how his life sucks. Uh, so this mural springs to life. Uh, Olivia Newton-John teleports and she's like, like roller skating. Yeah, she keeps doing this like, she turns into like yellow light. So here's a confusing thing for me. His He rips up his scrap of paper is like, I'll never sell my art and throws it. This lands on a mural he painted of the nine muses. Yes. All nine of them come to life individually. The song is called I'm Alive. One of my favorites in the show. They all come out and like Power Rangers light beam away. Why? Because if his his like disgruntlement is what awoke awoke them so that Olivia Newton John could get him on track to do a thing, where do the other ones go? And why were they aw- I, awoken by him? I took that as the muses like periodically just like come into our world through a portal that's available to them and then they disseminate. So the to help. the you so you don't think the paper was connected? I I I th- I think the fact that like it was a recent drawing of them was like is what made the portal, and then the drawings opened the portal. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like uh like that like they're the they, the the drawing or the mural is the por- is the door, and the 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 things are the key. The sketches are the key. Okay. So he drew the door, and it was a locked door, and then him doing that like made it made the key happen. Is was my reading of it, but again, like the movie certainly doesn't tell you that. No. And these co- it's it feels very Star Wars holiday special. This scene, extreme Star Wars holiday special. A lot of this movie, but this scene in particular, um, and these costumes—they're just not great. No, they're supposed to be very cheap looking. I don't understand why they're the Greek muses, and you don't understand that explicitly until for another forty-five minutes of the movie. Yeah, like why are they dressed like 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 Spirit Halloween slutty Italian peasant costume? It makes absolutely no sense. Again, like if the scene is what you described of him, the like the guy's like, yeah, the muses look great, thanks, kid. Like and goes on, like that's that's fine. Like you, paint more cleavage. It would be, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you didn't make them busty enough. I want to see some gams. What are we doing here? Like then I would get it, but it's just right. Anyway, she teleports in this yellow like electric uh, zap thing. On rollerblades, or roller skates, rather, uh, bumps into Ham Sandwich Michael Beck, kisses him, and then, like, zooms away, and he's like, oh my god, the woman of my dreams. Seemingly showing off magic in front of him. Yes, absolutely. Which I don't get, because he clearly watches her go, and then she turns into a beam of light, and I was like, well, so so he knows she's magic? Yeah, I he he didn't seem to react in a way. Like, I maybe my headcanon was the kiss, like puts him in sort of a trance okay so he de- like he doesn't remember the magical portion just the woman oh maybe that's a cool theory um he gets to work at this art enclave and this is like one of my beefs with uh this type of movie often so he's his job is painting large versions of album covers to be hung as advertisements although the movie doesn't explain what the hell they're doing for like an hour no, which is it's a cool bonkers. job though like that's a it's a super it, cool it doesn't job. exist anymore period because you just blow it up right. at, at kinko's or whatever so like 
Right. This is so cool. Like in my head, it, I, I, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they don't give them like the regular copy of the album cover with a grid on it, and then a giant canvas with a grid yes. on it, so you can like, okay, so if this square is supposed to be like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I. That's how I would if I was forced to do this job, which I wouldn't be because I'm not this type of person. I couldn't do this job. I'm a terrible uh, artist. But that is how I would want to structure this: of like, okay, uh, grid, uh, you know, B seven is this lady's left eye, and B nine is whatever. But he acts like this job is the bane of his existence, and I'm always baffled in movies where a person has a love for making art, whether it's music or, or painting or drawing or whatever. Look, man or woman, if you can get a job where your nine to five existence is getting to do the thing and it's like largely fulfilling, but you don't get the creative side, but then you can go home and paint whatever the hell you want. I'm baffled as to you complaining about this. Like I truly don't get it. Yeah. It's always like, like it makes so much more sense when the movies are oh, I'm I'm a corporate I'm a you know a tax accountant but my dream is to be a, a Christmas window decorator like exactly sure, that's yes. dis- that's disparate yes. but like you're a painter and you're getting paid to paint right you've done it you did it your your dream was to be a professional painter cool that's what you do like yes you're making copies i get that that is not artistically creatively fulfilling but someone is paying you for your talent. You're being compensated for the talent that you have worked and honed. I just, it drives me bananas. But then the other thing this made me think of is like, I've been following uh, Drew Struzan on Twitter lately, and he posts all these great pictures of his poster art and, and you know, the concepts and, and mm-hmm. the sketches and stuff. And this and, and following him is like, man, remember when people like gave a shit about making the posters and album covers? Because now it's just... If you're lucky, it's a photo shoot, which I, I'm not trying to take artistic value away from make, making great photos. That's a, an extremely difficult job. But like most of the time, it's like the new sci-fi epic. And it's just like photoshopped three heads on a star field and their names on top. And let's get out of here. Are you talking about a movie poster? You movie poster or album covers, too, are like they're often like like just bleh these days. Mm hmm. Because nobody buys albums. Everybody streams everything. And so it's just like, I don't know, just put a picture of Taylor Swift on it and put Taylor Swift's name on it. Yeah, that's a new album cover. Yeah. I always remember Lady Gaga's first album cover because it it was a big deal because it wasn't like album covers until then had been like it was Britney Spears with her like in like a midriff shirt or like Christina Aguilera, like very, very sexualized. And her first album cover was literally like an extreme close up on her face with a blunt bang and a pink lip. And sunglasses on. And she was like, nope, this is it. It's this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of covers, Olivia Newton-John happens to be on one of these album covers. Magically. Yeah. And so this starts to like, oh, I got to find this woman. Uh, cut to uh, Gene Kelly playing on the beach. He looks like you put Gene Kelly in old age makeup. Like yes, he looks like he, does. he looks like he filmed this the day after Singing in the Rain. And they were like, you're going to play an old version of yourself. Yes, exactly. And I love this. So what follows so like he starts talking to Gene Kelly. He sees Olivia Newton-John. He goes like, oh, my God, I got to catch her. She starts skating away. He runs up to a random woman on the beach who's locking up her bicycle and goes, hey, a I moped. have to borrow this. Oh, a moped. Right. It's right, more right. expensive. I have 
I have to borrow this. And the woman says, sure, okay. And then he takes it. No collateral. No nothing. As long as you bring it back in person and winks. And I was like, what's happening? (laughs) Like, you want to bone this guy so hard, you're letting him steal your moped. Cool, I guess. What follows is the uh, shortest, lamest, and lowest stakes chase I've ever seen in a movie. Yes, uh, but it does end with him going ass over tea kettle into the river at the end of a pier. And I thought, I had looked down, I was making a note, I thought he drove the moped into <laughs> like the water. Like, ramp? And I, well, that he just, no, that he, like, he hit, and that the all, oh. I just thought everything went into the water. And I was like... Holy shit, he destroyed that lady's moped. And then I back I had to back it up to confirm because I was like, I can't believe that. That's such a mean twist. And then Olivia Newton-John giggles that he fell over the bo- overboard and light beams out of there and I just wrote, "Oh, so she's a monster." <laughs> yes, exactly. This, she just There's two different this. versions of this movie that could have existed. One where it's a, a horror movie and she's a monster yeah. trying to make people like be like, "Oh, I'm going to drive you insane. Like everyone's going to think you're insane." And then another right, version right. that I will get to later when we get to more plot-heavy stuff. So we are having coffee with Gene Kelly, doing some plot exposition. Gene Kelly's just like, you know, being nice to this young man who fell into the ocean in all of his clothing. He's on roller skates. Yeah. Uh, and then we're sketching on a van, which seems incredibly dangerous, so dangerous as it goes along. Like... Michael J. Fox does it in Back to the Future for maybe a block, and I'm it's always like, Ugh, this guy seems to sketch for like a six or seven mile run off this van. Yeah. Just well, get also, in the I van. Also, what do you do you think roller skates or a skateboard is more dangerous to do that? Um I feel like it's pretty close to even. Cause like in the world where the skateboard gets knocked out from under you, you're just dragging your limbs on the pavement, which I feel is <laughs> oh, worse. God. But all, but all I was like the the why this one drives me crazy is because the guy who's driving this van is a friend of his, and it's like just just get in the van, like leave your skates on, just get in the van. What are we doing here? Right. Also, I said it last time as a joke, but I truly mean it. That if anyone has a pair of roller skates that they don't want anymore, let us know because I will <laughs> I will give I will pay for a flat rate shipping box to get a pair of skates. There is a uh, place I had been really looking forward to visiting this spring and summer, uh, one of the national park sites, Anacostia, uh, in the D.C. area, has a skating rink. It's like one of the oddities of the national park system, and I was so excited to go. The skate rentals are free, and of course, that's not happening now. Damn it. It is outdoors. I just, the whole thing doesn't seem fun to me. That's fair. Uh, so he gets off at the entrance to Disney's Hollywood Studios. I was going to say, this is just Disney Art Deco Disney's Hollywood Studios. No, no, no. This is the literal inspiration for the front of that. Did you not look this up? I didn't see. Well, I, I've looked up stuff. But I didn't see that. It makes so much sense. So so this is literally the theater that they copied the design from to, to open the park. Two days after or two days before the park opened, it's like that close of a time frame, this building burnt down. Wow, it's gone forever. So, so they like did the copy in Florida, and then the real one disappeared forever. And then the re- I know the replacement building only has one of those. Like this one has four yeah. of the like archy curvy thingies, but the new one only has they, one. 
they always remind me, Art Deco is obviously the correct term for it, but they always remind me uh, of the fins of a like 60s, 50s era uh-huh. like car, yeah. the big surf fins in the back. But it's just this very cool Art Deco um, theater, and I have it in my notes somewhere, but I'm not going to sit here for a minute and read through. We'll, I'll get to it when we come to it, but it's this very famous California theater. Uh, that he stops in front of, and, and the picture of Olivia Newton-John was in front of this building, and so that leads him to think he can find a clue to her here somewhat. So he he sneaks into the roller disco. And finds Olivia Newton-John having a sad solo skate. Also disappearing and reappearing. She's fading right. out of view, like, literally as she skates, fades into nothingness, and then reappears elsewhere. And he is too casual. He, he's leaning on a balcony and they're having this shouted conversation. And every time you can see Olivia Newton John's face, her mouth isn't moving at all. It's There's not like, so much oh, ADR. this isn't synced. It, yeah, but it's like ADR over her with a smile plastered on her face. So it looks really creepy to me. Yeah. After this, we get the first of the amazing transitions in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I kept talking to you about last episode with the alligator stuff. There's so many accordion transitions. Yeah, and they're all they've they're almost all accompanied by like or type sound effects. Yes, yes, it's like you're flipping like you're flipping through the pages of a book. Mm-hmm. 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 We get back to the painting, uh, the painting studio, and the boss comes out and he's mad because his paintings are too good. You're doing too good of a job. It seemed more like you were spending way too much time on this. Like, you don't need that much detail. These are just going to hang outside record stores or... Right. Theaters, maybe? No. I think it's record stores. Record stores. I, I don't think they do any movie posters. I think it's all album covers. Well, I meant, like, if, um, if the band goes on tour, they might... That's a good point. You could hang something like this up. But he's like, you're or, spending honestly, too much time Honestly, it could be a backdrop. Oh, yeah. Right. More silly transition. And we go to the giant mansion Gene Kelly lives in. I was shocked this wasn't actually just Gene Kelly's house. And he was like, look, I'll do your movie if you shoot it in my house. <laughs> this is one of the most buck wild houses I've ever seen on a movie screen. It's it's uh, it's the um, the Bill Murray house. It's like the Bill Murray house from Zombieland. Yeah. Yeah. It's total. which is the White House, isn't it? No, no. It's in L.A. when they be built the second movie there in the White House. Sorry. Spoilers. Yes. Yeah. So he, he and Sonny, which is the name of Michael Ham Sandwich's character, uh, they bond over music. Who is it again? Do you remember? Did you write it down? Who is what? This the artist that they bond over. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, Herb Alpert. I'm pretty sure. And uh, Tijuana that, Brass. That name doesn't sound right, but it was a, okay. a specific name. I don't remember it offhand. I was curious if you wrote it down. Yeah, it's one of the big band leaders of the the band leader that he mentions by name is is a real person. But the the wild part about this is that it's like, uh, yeah, I was a world famous clarinet player touring in a band, doing it regular gig, like the dream of a that type of player. If you're not into orchestra music, this is how it becomes a thing you can do for a living. Mm-hmm. And I gave it all up to go into construction, the family business. <laughs> What you were Banana. you were successful. That, that's a gold record. I'm looking at a gold record. What are you talking about? Why did you give it up? So silly. So uh, w- this movie, what's confusing about this movie is that it, it doesn't commit either way to everyone is a people are aware Olivia Newton-John is magical slash a ghost or she's hiding it from everyone. 
Like it, it's not, it needs, it needed to commit to one of those two things. Yeah. Because it seems like Gene Kelly knows who she is unequivocally, like instant, like even when he's talking about her, he's like, ah, the muse is back. Mm-hmm. It's like, like very, very much on front street for him. Ham sandwich has no idea that she's a muse until basically three quarters of the way through the movie. She's like, I'm a muse. She's thick more. She like taps him on the shoulder and points to the sky and she's paying someone to sky, right? Like I'm a muse, dumbass. Right. Right. Um, um, I also really like the abandoned palace of a house leads to Gene Kelly being like, you know, I really just always wanted to open up a music club, but I can't find anywhere. And, and ham sandwich is like, well, I, I, uh, I guess I'll have to think about it. And it's like, okay, I know this is a movie, but you could just move this conversation in the movie 20 minutes later. And then I wouldn't have to sit here and pretend to not be mad that you don't just say, oh, I was just in this amazing theater. I was just in an abandoned auditorium. Right. However, this is the equivalent of us booking Madison Square Garden to do a podcast in. Like, utterly insane on every single conceivable level. The size of this building and the scope of the building for what he wants to do in it is inconceivably incorrect. But he, I mean, he has money and he has clout, I'm sure, from being, you know, a gold record person. It's not even that. It's the idea of, like... The de- there's no way there is weekly demand. Like when they show the inside of the building, it's a normal size club. But like when they like when it's all yeah. fixed up and is Xanadu. But when they do the like walkthrough with Gene Kelly, Olivia Newton-John and the ham sandwich, that building is a full on auditorium. Like Gene Kelly's like they used to have wrestling here. It's like a 15,000 seat arena. It is. It's preposterously large for a dance club. Like. You've been to a Flyers game. Yeah. Could you imagine if that building was gutted of all the seats and someone was like, I'm going to put a music club in here. I don't think it's that big. It's okay. It's you're right. It's more like the spectrum, which was a smaller building, but it's, I mean, it's a huge building. It's this, the, so the Flyers arena holds 20,000, give or take. This is probably 10. So half that size, but that's still huge. Yeah. After this scene, the scene is also just only exists to be one of the many throwbacks to gene kelly being you know a musical theater legend i actually really love this sequence a lot like i like parts of it so first of all olivia newton john does not have a 1940s voice like she didn't even try to sound right. 1940s which is a very specific sound and it's not that difficult to do but like so he's sitting facing the camera in his in his house and she's like a ghost the band is ghostly, she's ghostly, and him in his younger days is ghostly next to her, over his shoulder. And he's kind of like wistfully looking at up in the direction that they are. And then all of his furniture disappears, and she ghostly steps off the stage, and he steps up to her also ghostly. Like, old, he is old man ghostly. And right. all of a sudden, they like embrace and turn solid and dance. And I was like, I don't know what we're, like, there's I feel like there's too many layers and, like, metaphors here. So I just, I mean, to me, I thought it was, like, a really beautiful reminiscing turned into daydream sequence. Like, the, the I to me, I thought this was kind of a cool representation of exactly the things you're describing. At first, it's him thinking about the old days, and then it's him 
It's like him picturing that memory and then him living the memory. You know what? Oh, I just thought of it. I just fixed this scene for me. It would have been really cool if what they had done was, so the furniture disappears, Olivia Newton-John, and actual footage of young Gene Kelly are ghostly behind him. And then they shoot it or cut it or whatever in a way where it's an actual actual footage of a young Gene Kelly doing a dance duet with a woman and they replace the woman with Olivia Newton-John. So that way it's actually young Gene Kelly and then he could like step up into it halfway through and it's actually him old man dancing with Olivia Newton-John. To do that back then I think would have looked really wonky, but I agree with you like now we could do that and it would look really rad. Yeah. Which I didn't realize is a specific a specific request of this movie but i think what weirded me out was that like he was a human person and then when he stood up to go approach her he turned ghostly and like that just threw me off i think if he had stayed solid the whole time and then he's bringing her like i think then it would have read better yeah i like i said i i I really like this sequence so i don't agree with you but i i don't think your criticisms are crazy i just i thought this sequence was really really kind of beautiful actually um and it it ends with they're tap dancing and then it kind of like transitions to him looking sort of wistfully off into the distance. And I just thought it was really nice. I like it just, it really worked for me. Um, and also he's 68 here and really moving. Like you'd like never Dick know. Dick Van Dyke it. in, uh, in right. Mary Poppins where he's just like, well, no, I'm Dick Van Dyke it. is even more impressive. Yeah, he's, he's like a like hundred. Yeah. It's like Dick Van Dyke is, is extremely old and still funny. Like apparently what was it? Uh, Oh, she said, um, like he was on the red carpet with Emily Blunt for Mary Poppins Returns, and she was like, "Oh, they're so excited to see you as Bert again." He's like, "No, they're all just surprised I'm not dead yet." <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's not. Also, I don't, I don't know that this tapping was recorded live. Like, I think this was. He's 94, by the way, Dick Van Dyke. Of, of what I was expecting. Uh, I don't think the tap is live either. I think it's awful. Because I was like staring at her at their shoes to see every time they they did a flap and like lift it up to be like, are there? I don't see taps. I think it's because uh, she is not as good at it as him, and it would have been obvious. Very true. We cut to the painting studio, and Ham Sandwich is working on a thing, and Olivia Newton John magically appears behind him because she's a monster. Yeah, it's really terrifying that she just like broop into existence and he still doesn't seem to get that she's magical. He's like, oh, wow. How'd you get in here? Like, bro, ham. He's way too lackadaisical. Like, I'm like, all signs point to something weird. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, wow. At minimum, she broke in and that's also creepy. Mm hmm. Because how does she know where you work, bro? Right. Right. So... (laughs) They go, he's like, oh, let's go on a skate date. And he's like, oh, because so we say we called it an art studio, but it's like an art studio at a recording studio, like a conglomerate. Like if if Paramount Records had an art department, that's where he works, basically. And so like they skate their way into this um, soundstage, essentially, with a metal cage in the middle. And he's like, oh, this is the recording booth. And I was like, no, it's not. And he's he goes yeah if you they if you hit these buttons it, they project images and it's for inspiration I guess and I was like this this like no, like even even in movie world this is stupid 
Yes. And he, it's extremely dumb. And she's like, well, you should turn it on. He's like, I don't know how to work it. And she's like, just hit the buttons. And I was like, oh my, as someone who works in theater, I'm like, the idea that someone's like, I don't know how this works. Beep, boop, boop. Makes my heart hurt. <laughs> but it just, the idea, like, I guess some of this would make sense for a theater production in, in some way, shape or form. But it's bonkers that they would even imagine to set it up in this way that like just one button brings down it's this roof all piece, OSHA one violations yes it seems extremely like things dangerous. float down with no warning light no nothing it's just like you have to gangway i mean to be fair i don't think it was an osha violation in 1980 i would well, i think that we are viewing this movie from a 40 years later lens but the uh the the part that i found just so wild about it is Imagine any rooftop scene in a movie that you've ever watched. You can say step in time. There's like three pretty typical. You can just say step in time. Well, it's not (laughs) step in time. It's not step in time because it has three features that are like more modern. The one is the the alcove where the door comes out. And it's Mm. like like clearly like the terminal end of a staircase. The other is the silver round vent thing that spins. It looks like a chef's hat from a cartoon, Mm -hmm. but the top is moving. And then the third is your traditional block of chimneys that is more like step in time. So I just I like any any movie or show you've ever seen set in New York City with a roof scene like the roof scene in Weekend at Bernie's has all three of these things. It does. The roof scenes in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yes, exactly. So any any pop culture New York-y thing, that's what you're picturing. Did but Seinfeld imagine all those. Roof? I don't. Think Kramer so. tans on the roof and turns into the turkey. Oh, and you're right. There is there is at least the door thing, if not also the metal chef's hat thing. Um, but Seinfeld rarely went on the roof. But the like all of these things are attached to to wires, and so when he hits a button, the floor, which is just a f- concrete floor, all of these things come floating down from the ceiling to make the set. And just the idea that they wouldn't just be in a closet and pulled out on roller, you know, some sort of roller or any other thing, or kick picked up and carried and placed down is absolutely insane to me. Well, also, so they all they then fly away with some random wire work because why not? Yeah. And then there's growing palm trees. They're like in pa- right. deflated palm trees that turn on and like pop up. Right. And also, I didn't mention it before, but uh, Olivia Newton-John has knee-high skates on, which is something I've never seen before in my whole life. I love it though. I love a, I love a skate that's not a normal skate. The the aesthetic of everything is great. I just thought I should point out that she's wearing like white cowboy boots basically, but also skates. I don't understand. Like, this would have made so much more sense if he was like, oh, this is where we film music videos. Right. Like, this should have just been, this is the music stu- the music video studio. Right. That is the obvious answer to this. So then we got a singing in the rain moment without Gene Kelly, which is like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do this, boy, oh boy, do you have the wrong two people in this scene? Like, I would be fine if you just wanted him to do that whole song and dance number again. Yeah, he, uh, the rain also is clearly not anywhere near, it's clearly just, they have a rain strip in front of the camera, and they're way, way back. I thought this looked less good than the high school production of Singing in the Rain that I have seen. Mine? You mean my high school yeah. production? Yeah, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> Didn't you have, like, a gutter? Like, I remember you yeah, showing it the, to me, we, like, there's, um, like, a... We did the gutter, so there's two ways to do, that, that theaters do it. There's one that's called, like, it's like, um... 
a caravan where they just wheel out a, a self-contained box that has rain and that rains and cycles. And then we did it where we had a, a just a little platform with a gutter around it and we rained it directly on there, which was not the way to go because we got mold on our stage. Yeah. My I, freshman I thought year, that that might... we did Little Shop of Horrors with a rotating flower shop and half the wheels broke. So we just carved rings into our stage. Whoa. Oh, no. And then my sophomore year was singing in the rain and we soaked it. So all these carvings got soaked. And then my junior year was pajama game. And we were like, we're just going to do it. Like we drilled into the stage. We don't ever want because by senior year, it got replaced. <laughs> um, I looked this up while you were telling that story, not because I wasn't interested, but because I knew the punchline of that story. And I was like, I could take 30 seconds here and answer this question. It's the Pan Pacific Auditorium. Pan Pacific. Is the name of the building. Uh, really beautiful building. Uh, it looks like the seating was about um, 6,000, but the auditorium itself was about 100,000 square feet, wow. which is really enormous for that small amount of seating. Uh, anyway. A train shows up. Yes, the train. What the is train happening? is how we get out of this. Yeah. It's like it's like what a child would imagine a movie studio to be like. No, you know what it is? It's Gem and the Holograms. Yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, we got to film our music videos. And then the misfits are there like, we're filming ours in the same day. And they're like on the same soundstage on the different sets. Yeah, yeah. Or or like a Looney Tunes setup. Yes. Uh, their skates disappear. Well, they... they, they, they the boss is like, are you, what is, are, is that, is that ham sandwich? What are you doing here, ham sandwich? You're getting mayo all over the place. And he's like, no, I'm not ham sandwich. Just kidding. Bye. And, and then Olivia Newton-John goes, it is ham. Yeah. It's just like, what are you doing? You're going to get him fired. So we cut to Gene Kelly goes to visit the theater and he, that's when he's like, this used to host wrestling. And it's like, I just can't get over how wrong this is for this movie. But we cut away, they they break in and they start talking about their ideas for the club. And Gene Kelly is talking about like a big band thing with like, you know, the very old school, like Frank Sinatra's He's backing band in Vegas. He's looking to the 40s, 40s and 50s. Right, right. Yeah, like a tiered backing band with those little like podium things in front of them. And then Ham Sandwich is like, no, it'll be a young hip club. And then like... One of their visions is to the left and one of their visions is to the right. And then they slowly kind of cross over with one another. It should be amazing. But because they cheaped out on the filming, all this stuff, which is designed to be viewed in like a staggered tier of layers, instead is shot from like ground level. So imagine being at a, you know, a general admission concert or like a imagine that you're standing at one end of a basketball court and there's no raised stage on the other end. So there's just a sea of people on the same level and you're like trying to look through it. It's so yeah. stupid. It's so hard to see. It also, I think took way so the whole point is that gene kelly's like oh the 40s and and ham sandwich like oh the 80s and basically it's it's as if there was remember those sketches on on snl that are like the adam sandler family reunion or the christopher walken right, family reunion right. it's basically the gene kelly family reunion on the 40s side it's like everyone's dressed in some version of a gene kelly costume or some number that gene kelly did with a lady on that side and the other side's all, like, sexy 80s dancers, like, half-naked, like, writhing around doing, like, 80s dancing. Right. And it just takes way too long for them. Because the end is just, they combine together. And they're like, oh. Right. Which doesn't actually happen in the movie. Like, that's not... Not even That close. is not what the club not ends up looking the, like. No, But also, no. like, 
if you're going to do that, that's cool idea. Cause basically the two, the, um, the rock band stage and the, and the big band stage slide together, like, like, um, like a zipper, like zipper teeth and they, they fit and it works and it's cool and it sounds cool. And I was like, if that's what you were going for, we should have gotten here sooner. And it should have been a better blend of these two styles and like the dancers meshing. Right. And also there's a lot of stuff in the eighties one that I'm just going like, we're doing we're doing what now? At one point, um, several men pick up women as if they're guitars, and they strum mm-hmm. them as if they're guitars. Except the part that they were strumming is their hoo ha. Like, why no, is this the way this their, is choreographed? It was, it was absolutely their hoo ha. No, because their arms were on their on their hips, so it would have been like their chest sternum area. Because they're holding no, their no. legs. They're ho- holding the leg, and then they're strumming where their legs meet the body. Oh, I thought they were. I always thought they were strumming more like chest sternum. No, no, no. Yeah, they're, the 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 chest sternum was how the women were propping themselves up on the thigh of the guy. Mm. You also get the knockoff. Is it Anderson sisters? Is that who does Bugle Boy? Uh, I don't know Bugle Boy, but that boogie sounds woogie, fine. Bugle Boy of Company B. No, I mean I I I know the song, but oh. I don't know who sings it. Are they Andrews I don't, I don't, sisters? I don't turn on the Bugle Boy. You don't listen to Big Band Pandora. Often. It's not often. Uh, Andrews sisters is oh, what the internet is go. telling. Second me. try. I just feel this whole sequence, except for the excessive thrusting and the aforementioned playing women as guitars thing, has a real High School Musical energy to it. Like the type of choreo is like mm-hmm. pretty simple. I'm not saying High School Musical capital letters the thing. I'm talking about like when you would be in a musical in high school and like the talent level is extremely varied. So you <laughs> pick the best dancers and give them things to do on their own, and then when it's a big group, you bring it down so that like everybody can yeah, do it. Yeah, the feature dancers. Not, yeah. And then you have a thing that like anybody can learn with some practice and it's like not excessively complicated. This is not, I'm not clowning on anyone That's what we here. call like, the movement. Is... We, you have the movers and the dancers. Yeah. Your movement yeah, audition that's... is how you like, we're going to walk in a circle and we're going to put our hands out. Yeah. This is firmly where I would be in this world. I'm not clowning on anybody. It's fine. But like a lot of the choreo feels like that to me, which is bonkers because all of these people are being paid to be here. Yes. Gene then decides to bring the ham sandwich in on making this project, which is like just the pants on head craziest thing. The The only way this makes sense is if Gene Kelly knows about the muse and he's going to try to like kidnap her, like he's going to do a heel turn and it's oh. like, JK, I needed you. And I'm, I'm, I've now done a binding ritual and you're stuck here. <laughs> but like why this man has no discernible talent of any type for this type of project. He's not here to paint things. It's not like, Oh, I want a huge mural and I think you'd do a great job. Which it's, would make sense. I want you to be my business partner. On making a club. Why does he know jack shit about this? I also wrote Olivia Newton-John reveals herself to Gene Kelly and makes him think he's crazy. And I don't know why I wrote that. Uh, well, there's the sequence here where Gene Kelly's like, what are we going to call it? And she just kind oh, of she pops out of nowhere. Room. Yeah. And she says, she Dracula, Santa, she's Dracula. You know how? Yeah, she is. It just pops up behind people like, and she's like, let me quote ancient poetry. Yeah. <laughs> she quotes ancient poetry and they're like, oh, Xanadu. And he's like, I know who you are. And she's like, no, you don't. And he's like, no, I, you're, you're, oh, I knew you as Kira, but I believe you're like Terpsichore or something. Terpsichore is the actual muse she probably would have been because that was the muse of dance. But in the stage musical, they went with Cleo, the muse of history. Well, she's Terpsichore explicitly in the Wikipedia article. Yeah. Because she says Terp. Yeah. 
Ham Sandwich. Oh, that's what happened. Ham Sandwich was like, you got to see this place better in the light. Let me go get my flashlight. And he like goes to get the flashlight. Then Olivia Newton-John yeah. pops in. And that's when they do this whole tete-a-tete of like, I know who you are. He comes back with this flashlight that is like like a standard human normal flashlight. And when he turns it on, it's like they flicked all the lights on in the room. It's <laughs> The light, it's very Looney Tunes energy of like, he has like a mag light and he's like, he all right, now look the, over he there. It's a lighter. Or he's like, hey, yes. open that fridge, Gene Kelly. And Gene Kelly opens the fridge <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> Bathed in light. Yeah. Another shutter transition. Yeah. Shutter transition to uh, the uh, ham sandwich runs into his job and he's like babbling like a lunatic. Absolutely. As far as we know, he hasn't told anyone about this new club idea that he has. So he's like, drinks are on me. Y'all quit your job and come work for me. Drinks are on me. And he like tells off his boss, kind of, but it it sounds like the ramblings of a lunatic. And I was like, yes, this man, he leaves the, he like grabs his jacket and walks out. And I'm like, that man would leave and everyone would be like, so do we call security or like, do we just lock the door? Do we change the locks? What do we do? (laughs) Is there someone we can call to get him help? Is there? Can we get him non-voluntarily committed? Because he's not going <laughs> to do it on his own. Uh, this also ends with, like, he fires himself from the job. Yeah. And then the boss is so perplexed, he puts his hand, like, right down in a big bucket of paint and, like, looks at his own palm oh, being all red. And it's just, like, a ne- I really like it. It's, a, it's the kind of dumb little joke that I, it, you know, tickled me. But I was like, why is this in the movie? <laughs> What is, why is this here? This is out of tone, out of context. And then for truly no reason, without explanation, they're in the Hollywood Bowl? Well, I think it's supposed to be this club, but they're absolutely shooting in the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, I was like, that's the, I've seen performances there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's supposed to be them renovating this club and they just happen to shoot it at the Hollywood Bowl. Well, the Hollywood Bowl is an outside amphitheater, isn't it? I agree. Okay, so it's just very poor planning. Yes, yes, yes. You might say that the people who are producing Xanadu didn't do the best job. No. Imagine that. So this next moment, I want to give myself credit for because they start singing and turn into cartoons. And I went, all, I wrote all caps. They're just a Don Bluth cartoon. And then <laughs> plot twist. It is actually a Don Bluth cartoon. Yeah, it is a really great looking Don Bluth animation. But so part of the it's reason Thumbelina. we had it's our- just his preview for it's if you look at this and you like side by side with Thumbelina, it's just that. But so this is where I was telling you when we were texting and why we got to the confusion over this and alligator. I was like, if you haven't watched it yet, don't read anything because sometimes I'll skim the Wikipedia or, yeah. or look things up. And I didn't know there was an animated sequence. And so I was I literally went, what? Like, just suddenly they're cartoons, and I was just flabbergasted at it. And it's a, it's gore. I mean, Don Bluth animation, I really like. It's awesome and hand drawn. It is real pothead shit for sure. It's very uh, Fantasia. Yeah. Also, if you don't know, Don Bluth is basically the guy behind every non Disney movie that you like, that you bring up in conversation, that people bring up in conversation about Disney movies, and some a hell goes, that's not Disney. He's also the guy who made the Dragon Slayer video game, which, mm-hmm. uh, did we ever, no, I guess we never put that up. We actually got to play when we were down in Halloween Horror Nights. They had a Stranger Things arcade. I was arcade. pretty good at it. Yeah, it's it's basically um, like any cutscene in a norm, in a modern video game where it'll like randomly have buttons popping up on the screen that you have to, quick time, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting video game and the animation back then, you know, 
it's just mind blowing compared to what other games looked like. Yeah. He also did work for Disney, but left, I believe. Yes, he, I believe, was there for quite some time, actually. He, he had a lot he of... Left he worked pre- on several big... I want to say he left pre-Renaissance or mid-Renaissance. I thought he worked on several of the big... Um, he worked on... It's just weird that he would have been able to do this movie in, the, in 1980 or 79. Yeah, he was in... He was in the years leading up to what later became the Disney Renaissance, but his stuff is The Secret of Nim, American Tale, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Anastasia's the big one for him. And Thumb- yeah, Thumbelina was another one that he did. I mean, you're discounting Fievel and Land Before Time, you monster, by saying that she's the big one. Anastasia sure. is the big one. Uh, he, he worked on Sleeping Beauty, Sword in the Stone... Uh, the television series Fantastic Voyage, and then it looks like he left Disney around then. Yeah, and did his oh, own no. thing. No, he worked on Disney's Robin Hood as well. Oh. Oh, Robin Hood, Escape to Witch Mountain, Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, Peach Dragon, and then Xanadu, and Fox and the Hound. So I guess he leaves right around now. He was probably a uh, freelance guy. He probably was not an Maybe, employee, yeah. which explains why he would have been working on this. So the the the... They turn into all sorts of creatures in this it's, animation. You know, what it is? you know what it is? It's the sword and the stone. Yeah, it does have real because sword he and keeps, the stone they energy. Because keep in sword and the stone, he's like, oh, he's a fish. Now he's a squirrel. Now he's a germ. Right, right, right. Uh, so that, that transitions out, and Gene Kelly is toasting the construction workers with a bottle of Dom Perignon, which I was like, I mean, that's hey. what you get when you're Gene Kelly, and you're like, uh, no, I'm not going to drink the... <laughs> the, the prop uh, wine. I'm not going to drink the Andre. I'll be having Dom Perignon. Please and thank you. Also, apparently he agreed to do this movie because it was close to his house. Yeah, this is the last movie he worked on that he actually appeared in. He did some other like choreo behind the scenes things after this. Mm. But this is the last movie he appeared in. And he was working up right up until his death in 96. He he was like credited for doing choreo for an animated movie that came out like it might have even been two years after he died. Hmm. Um, but they. But it's a bummer. Like he, he, he's still very charming in this, and he's like sixty-eight. Like I maybe he just didn't it feel must like. Must have been a personal I, choice. Yeah, I hope he just was like, I would like to retire, and I'm gonna pull back. But if not, that's a huge bummer because he's easily the best part of this movie. Yeah, like he. It's just crazy because he could. I feel like he and Angela Lansbury could have been buddies. Like could have been doing stuff. Yeah, sure. He should have been a bad guy on a Columbo or Murder She Wrote. Well, he could do both of those things. Uh, yeah, but like, if I'm talking, well, that's murder she wrote. But they're like, "Hey, Gene Kelly, you need cooler clothes." And I was like, "Why? He's just he dresses like an old man. Let him dress like an old man." Yeah. And I was I immediately was like, "Oh, cool, we're doing a montage." But not the montage I wanted. Really? Yeah. So it, this is my favorite part of the movie, it's, and it's like not even close. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but the problem is like. I was like, the, a lot of this movie feels like, hey, we have this song and let's make it work as opposed to like, th- like trying, like doing it in a way where it, it moves the story. Like in, um, in Hairspray, there's a song called Welcome to the 60s, which is basically this song where it's Tracy and her mom and she says, welcome to the 60s. And they're like trying on different 60s clothes because her mom dresses more like the 40s and the 50s. And then she dresses all like va va voom she she, and she's like, oh, I'm I'm confident now, and like, I guess you know what it is. It's that this movie is weird in that, it, generally speaking, the songs aren't presented in 
traditional, I am a person singing a song, doing a dance in this world. They are presented, we are people dancing to songs that are playing in the world we live in. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. So, like, because it's not Gene Kelly singing a song with Olivia Newton-John about, like, fashion, it feels weird, and so it doesn't become the, like, Gene Kelly keeps keeps coming out in new clothes, and they keep cutting to, like, weird dancers. Yeah, I so because they, like, Olivia Newton-John's not singing this song, right? No, that's what I'm saying. Nobody is. That's my problem. Yeah. Because nobody is singing, it doesn't the song doesn't like belong to someone, so it's not like, hey, I'm going to keep trying on the clothes. It's like, look at all these weirdo dancers, look at these weirdo visuals. Like the emphasis seemed to be placed more on the visuals and the weirdness than actually being a a shopping montage, which is easy. Shopping montages are easy. Yeah, I I I totally disagree. This is like my favorite part of the whole movie. I think it's I truly liked boot. it. I, just, I think Gene Kelly it wasn't exactly what I wanted. It sounds like you don't like it because it's breaking musical rules, which I don't know any of. So that doesn't I don't. And me. I, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's breaking musical rules. It's just like this is very clearly. I guess what I would have rather done would have been like all the clothes trying on in the front half of the song. He gets his new outfit and look, and then the second half of the song is like, let's dance around this quote unquote store, as opposed to what we got, which was like everything was very interspersed and it d- felt disjointed. Huh. Yeah, no, I I completely disagree with you. I think this this is like a, the exactly what I would expect out of a shopping montage in an 80s movie. It's a hoot to me, but that's fine. The the part about the two things about it that I I really like are one, they do the bit where it's like these are mannequins and Terpsichore like brings mm-hmm. them to life, but they basically got the five actors in the costumes and were like, all right, everybody hold your breath and hold still. And so it's like very clearly five humans who just start moving as yeah. opposed to like hey Hey, hey, folks, you're making a movie. So just put the mannequins in, shoot the mannequins, and then put people in and then cut it together. I could do this on iMovie. Mm-hmm. Certainly you could do this cut. Like, yes, this is stupid. That really was kind of bizarre to me. And then I also really like the beginning of the montage. Gene Kelly puts on a Hawaiian shirt and then he puts on a different Hawaiian shirt. And I was like, I think they had to talk Gene Kelly into putting some of these outfits on maybe Probably. because the first two are just Hawaiian shirts. But they're doing like he's got a zoot suit on and he looks like the mask in one of the scenes. This he big really does. Ensemble. You know, you know, he looks but I like I, I was gonna say he looks like the, the Tex Avery wolf, but that's just the mask. That's just the prototype. Yeah, no, of the that's mask. yeah, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Um there's a dressing room where the door is uh is a uh a, a lady's legs that open up. They split. Yes. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah. And then I, he gets roller skates on and then he starts doing I got pinball. Nervous. I got very nervous <laughs> for roller skates. And I know I that's mean, ageist, it, it, and I'm sorry. It, 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 it wouldn't be in the movie if he fell down. I know, I know, but like, it just seems like what seems like a big risk for National Treasure Gene Kelly. <laughs> I mean, he was an incredibly talented skater. There's an awesome, I don't know what movie it's in, sequence in a movie that's very famous that he tap dances in roller skates. Yeah, I know that, but he wasn't 60, 70. He was like 20. I know, but like, you know, I feel like some of that stuff never goes away. Maybe. Um, I also wrote the note spider web gender fuck leg tunnel, which I've never had to write in anything before. <laughs> so thank you, Xanadu. 
Yeah, no, it's a that's that's a very accurate description of one se- particular sequence of this montage. It, it's it's great. Like, don't get me wrong, I do like this montage a lot. Like, I would want to go shopping in the store with these people. It's just not structured in the way I would have liked. It it reminded me kind of of that. Uh, uh, I remember it was one year we were up in New York and and uh, on like a weekend trip, and Lady Gaga had a special. Yep, she it was the Lady Gaga store. It was Lady Gaga. Um, with was it Macy's or Nordstrom's? It was like some one of the, one of those. It was a higher end, probably. So I don't think it was Macy's um, department store in New York was outfitted with like Gaga's workshop for Christmas. Yeah. So we went after like between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I still have the bag from there actually because it was cool. Right, but I just a lot of the clothes and the mannequin dress. The clothing Yo, that's a really good. That's that. a deep cut, but I like it. Yeah, well, it's only for you, obviously, but like it, it, it is. All of the outfits in the sequence I could see being part of a Lady Gaga concert or performance in general. Like, they're mm-hmm. very crazy fashion things. The pinball sequence I really like. Once he's on the roller skates, he's, like, Isn't bouncing it, yeah, on stuff. Yeah, the giant and then, pinball set? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, it's crazy what they chose to spend money on in this like, movie. It's not like there's a pinball machine anywhere in the movie. Like, if they had walked into no. the store and there was a pinball machine in there, I kind of, I just, like, why do we decide to, what happened? Right, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, so the club's about to open, and uh, Ham Sandwich then tells Olivia Newton-John that he loves her, uh, but she explains, no, I'm a muse, my name is Terpsichore. She has to explain to him, she she basically goes, oh, I have limitless magical powers, turns out, watch this, zip zap zop, and like tries to prove that she's a muse. The the part where they have the TV start talking to him, I really like. He's watching this like '40s gangster movie, and the two guys like turn to him and are like, "Hey, ham sandwich, she's a muse. Promise. Look, we're talking to you on the TV." And then she stands up in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I mentioned earlier when I said the movie could be a horror movie or something else. I think this dynamic and relationship would be so fascinating as a drama in much more competent hands. That, like, her role in the universe is to inspire someone, make them fall in love, and then break their heart so they create something and then leave. And she knows that this is how it has to go every time, but the men or the people don't. And I think that would be such a fascinating movie and, like, character character dissection. Yeah, I think that would be really fascinating. And I think, like, I mean, there is some truth to that in, like... People who are comfortable don't tend to make great art. Like, you know, when your favorite artist gets old and rich, they stop making interesting songs. Usually, not always, but usually because oh. it's like they're or not struggling anymore and struggle creates. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, Spielberg is a couple of things. I think age is a big factor there, too. But yeah, I, I kept the more they dove in, into this relationship. I was like, God, I, that, I want this to be a movie about like, like not this movie, but I want a movie now about the relationship of like a muse who knows her role and like the different people that she would, you know, inspire. I think that ties into my idea that I talked about earlier of like Gene Kelly getting one more crack at it of like her feeling really guilty about her, uh, influence really messing somebody up and like wanting to correct that I think could be really interesting. Mm hmm. So Ham Sandwich is on the beach in a shirt that looks almost like it was drawn by Don Bluth. Like, it looks very similar to the Don Bluth fishes. I don't it know does. if you caught that. And then he's skating to Olivia Newton-John's mural. And he's I was in like, my summer oh, aesthetic. God. He's in yes. roller skates 
tiny, tiny red shorts and a half-open button-down. The only thing he's missing is socks. He gets up to the mural and he, like, puts a hand on it. And then he goes back and he starts skating toward it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. He's going to skate into the mural. But I want to point out here that Ham Sandwich on roller skates looks like an octopus on roller skates. (laughs) It's really (laughs) awkward and flaily. He is not a good skater. Yeah, I didn't realize he was doing this until he was doing it. And I was like, whoa, he took a lot on faith. Yeah, he skates straight into a world of Technicolor neon nonsense, and He's it is delightfully filter. insane. Yeah, he really is in a Snapchat filter. Um, and so they just, they clearly were like, we're just going to pile on the VFX. Every VFX we have, we're just going to do in this scene. <laughs> it's the equivalent of what he was doing back in that room where he was like, I don't know how this works. I'm just going to push yes. all the buttons. <laughs> yes, very that. Like, plonk, plonk, plonk. Except instead of a piano, it's every visual filter simultaneously. Uh, Olivia Newton John is like, you have to flee. And then she starts talking to her muse parents and she admits that she's in love with him. It's Zeus for one. I don't know who the woman is because whoever knows who was the mother of any of Zeus's children. Hera? I don't think it was the the, I, the Wikipedia said someone, but it didn't say Hera. Okay, it would be rare if Hera actually wifed or mothered any of Zeus's children. Yeah, you're right about that. He got around, but Zeus was siren children with basically anything he felt. Anything like. Sometimes that moved, he'd be like, "Yo, baby." Some things that didn't, it would be like a boulder, and he's like, "This is my <laughs> kid, Boulder Dash." He'd be like, "Oh, look at that dead horse skull! Boom! There's a baby coming out of it." Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't particularly care about their relationship. Like, the ham sandwich and Olivia Newton-John. Like, I kind of want them to be apart by the end of the movie. Or, like, some some struggle that they have to come across. Because she's a muse. Right. She has a job to do. Even Zeus says, he's like, other people have dreams. Like, you... Right. She's a a dream maker. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that she falls for him, and I also specifically don't like that she falls for him because there is literally nothing about... Th- she pointedly at several different times won't answer any questions about herself. It's like, you don't know this woman. You're in love with your idea of her. This is stupid. You, you're in love with a manic pixie dream girl. Right. She is the most manic pixie dream girl perhaps ever. I agree. Uh, Zeus kind of sounds like Alfred. Yeah, he does like, sound a little like, like uh, the the or first four Alfred, not not Michael Caine, obviously. Um, and then we get a very boring "I Want" song that is shot in the most boring way ever. It's just like a chest up close up of Olivia Newton John for three minutes. And it's it just keeps like really pushing boring. in from this angle, and then cuts to a new angle wide and pushes in. I'm like, what are we doing? Nemesine is the mother of of Terpsichore, according to the internet. By the way, oh, thank you, thank you, internet. But yeah, it's really it's dreadful. This this they, this they couldn't <laughs> even give us a relationship montage. I call this the glowing Olivia Newton John ballad. <laughs> yes, it is. But like every other movie that does this, it's this is over a montage of the relationship, or like yeah, clips yeah, of yeah, yeah. him being sad without her. Right, right. Anything would be better than just this close-up of Olivia Newton-John singing a song slowly. If this felt like contractual obligation, the song. So, uh, so apparently this song was originally supposed to be sung in the roller rink. It was like there last night. Oh, that would make sense. It was the night before opening, and she was like, I wish I could stay here suspended in time with you. And like... Oh, yeah, that was, would make a lot more sense. Right? Like, I, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right. And apparently, speaking of, the the animated sequence was that they had a song written and didn't 
they were like, well, we can't, we don't want to shoot anything, so let's just have someone animate this song. <laughs> uh, by the way, the voice of Zeus is the guy who played Colonel Pickering in My Fair Lady, so you can put the tweets down. Oh, also by Gene Kelly. This club looks like an insurance nightmare. Yes, we get more this club like we get the club opening bit and it's just like Gene Kelly roller skating all over the place, which is a delight. I mean, I love it. This is great. The last 20 minutes of this movie is one sentence of plot description. It's this movie did so I'm like, what? you can't spend the whole movie talking about this roller disco and then hand wave everything about the roller disco for five minutes. Right, it's bonkers that like the, you could sum up everything that happens in the last twenty. Maybe it's two sentences. I said one before, but it's like the club opens. It's a great success, and everybody goes home happy. Is the is what happens? But it is twenty minutes of movie of like Gene Kelly's roller skating, and like Gene Kelly roller skating is great. I like it. I'm not. It's fine that it's in the movie, but like he does a whole number, and then Ham Sandwich shows up after all, and then they have like a little moment. Because what happened? What what we saw when we last left our heroes, Ham they were like Ham Sandwich won't come to the opening because Olivia Newton John isn't there, and Olivia Newton John right. is trapped in the mural, and then all of a sudden she shows up at the club, and there's not a big deal. It's right. not like oh, she's here, and there's no like ham sandwich you showed up i'm so glad you decided to be like there's no none of that it's just everyone happens to be here and also this song is supposed to be like your big showstopper it's the it's, song Xanadu. this should have been the finale song it fe- it feels like the thing you hastily scribble down on the paper because the teacher has started collecting the homework and you're like i forgot to do it but it's math homework so i'll just put some numbers down and maybe some of them will be right and it's better than zero it starts mm-hmm. with people going xanadu 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 for it's like creepy and weird. three whole minutes of chanting xanadu like get fast forward good lord also just think about this can you imagine the how how mad you would be if you opened a roller renovated and opened a roller disco in 1980 like you you have maybe a year left of that you don't like yeah that's no, gone you've, that's you've, dead yeah you've missed the boat but this whole sequence it's like they forgot that they had to end the movie and so they were just like frantically trying to figure out what to do like this dance number now it's cowboys suddenly we're doing a dance number with yeah so it's like first of all there's an amazing light up starburst on the floor and i want it in my house it is cool she sings it's like a glow riser basically yes so she's singing xanadu and zipping around the stage and i was like oh is this the the finale no, because she sings Xanadu, they have everyone do whatever stunt special skill they have on their resume, and then they decide to have her sing a song with apparently all the other muses, that is completely unclear. Right. Where she's like- Yeah, I did not know that until you just said it. Yeah. They were like, it's eight, her eight sisters, and I was like, why didn't we get like a- we needed a, a Little Mermaid moment where they're like, Calliope, Cleo, and whatever the hell. Um, sure. And- it's like uh, for she's just singing a song, occasionally changing like styles and then changing costumes. But it's boring because it's not like the costumes are glamorous each time or like she tears away and there's a costume underneath. It's just like, all right, with this is again, going back to a high school musical where it's like these are the featured dancers and they're all dressed in the the tap dancer costumes and this is the the sw- the co- the hoedown costumes right 
Right. Honestly, it should be like the club is a huge success. Everyone's very happy. Ham Sandwich does show up. He's a little dejected. Gene Kelly kind of pats him on the shoulder. Uh, he goes out to dance. She cuts in on who he's dancing with and asks to dance with him. She dances a little bit with Gene Kelly, who like they kind of resolve their little thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, I think I know. I think I'm not the person. I think I'm not the person you're supposed to be dancing with here. She goes over to Ham Sandwich and they dance, and that's the end of the movie. Like that's just very easy to wrap this up and get the hell out of here instead of this like long thing with the costume changes and the glow riser. And then at one point she teleports everybody out of the club, and it's just her and Ham Sandwich. And I'm like, so where did weird. those people go? Like, did you kill them all? She also, I don't, I didn't like the costume she wore for the song Xanadu. No, I didn't like the costumes in that section either. Oh, not all of them, but her specifically. It's this weird, like, jumpsuity thing. When I wanted something flowy and long and ethereal, like, she's a, a muse. She should right. be, like, her train should be so long that when she circles, by the time she circles the room, she should be able to grab the end of the train. Like, that's how yeah, long no, it should be. Yeah, no, I'm with you. She should at least have something on that reads extremely Greek goddess, and this doesn't. Yeah. But th- I wrote, like, the song where she keeps changing costumes... It feels like the payoff to something that never happened. Right. Like there was no Zeus saying like, you can't dance or whatever. Right, right, right. It's not the footloose th- it's, issue. It's just like she shows up and she's like, look, everybody, I can do it. And I'm like, but do what? Yeah, we never thought you couldn't. You're like very pretty and also you're a good dancer. And we've seen that before. I don't know what you're what you're showing us right now. It's so bizarre. And then it just kind of ends. It's just like, that's the end of the movie. It's over. They basically do like a Looney Tunes circle, circle close. Yeah. And then, so it ends with, she disappears. She makes everyone disappear from the club and then she disappears. And then the people saunter back in, like you're in a high school musical and they're like, hey, the romantic lead duet is done. Everybody sink back on stage. Yeah. So everyone can clap. Yeah, so they all, like, sidle on, and Gene Kelly's like, hey, waitress, get my friend here a drink. And it's Olivia Newton-John, but is it supposed to be Kira again? I couldn't tell. I thought it was kind of like that, but maybe not. It's not clear, because he's like, hey, wait, and she's like, what? And he's like, I just want to talk to you, and then close credits. Yeah. Final thoughts? I love it. (laughs) It's, it's It's 90 minutes. It's, it's... The songs are so good. It's a real like a like a footloose or a, a what's the other big one? A flash dance like the the I frankly think that if they if ELO had just created an album with Olivia Newton-John and released it as sort of a um, a bad out of hell situation or something mm, geared yeah. for a laser light show Sure. I think this would have then as an album been more successful than it was. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I there's a lot to like here. If you've never seen it, I really truly think this is worth your time to look at just from Very like much the so. insanity. It's 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 insane that this exists, frankly. It's it's a really wild type of movie that's out of its time in every conceivable way. So I did enjoy a lot of it. I don't think it's good. I think uh, I think it's missing a lot of key features, like you know, a Steve Gutenberg, as we've went on at length about. But super fun. There's a lot. There's a lot to like here, surprisingly, for a movie that is like universally this and I think Ishtar are basically the two back pocket bad movies everyone has from a certain generation before us. And I this one I don't think is nearly as bad as its reputation. I don't know about Ishtar. I agree. 
probably another future episode maybe but yeah that's uh, this is a fun way to close uh season six we're gonna do the hall of fame stuff on our next episode uh, uh or did we retire that bit i can't remember if I we don't retired remember. that bit we might have retired that bit i don't know anyway if we're gonna do it we'll do it on our next episode uh i'll check and see if i should delete that part Thank you so much for listening to the show. It's really wild that we're uh, still doing this six years later. I would not have guessed that when we started this. Uh, right. I'm really excited to move into the seventh season uh, in our, you know, as, as we start our next episode in September. Uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, check us out over on patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We have an episode coming out sometime early in September that will be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure to celebrate the release of that new one. Uh, excited to jump into that. I just uh, pulled the DVD off the shelf today to get ready to watch it. So excited to, to check that out. It's been a while for me since I've hung out with Bill and Ted. But there's lots of great episodes there. Patreon.com slash Dissecting the 80s. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. If you like the show, do the easiest thing in the world and tell two friends about it. That's the best way to learn about new podcasts I've found. So if you like us and you haven't yet, tell two friends. Tell two people that you like the show and, and uh, you know help us help us grow a little bit more. We're, uh, we're doing a movie uh, in the beginning of September. Be on this main feed here. It'll be September 7th. One I'm excited. I haven't watched in a long time, but uh, 80s classic Weird Science. It's been a while. Yeah, so I'm excited to jump into that. That'll be September 7th. Uh, thanks once again for listening to the show. Check us out on Facebook and at Dissect the 80s on Twitter and DissectTheEighties.com for anything else you'd want to know about us. Uh, I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.